This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 9, Episode 1. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows brought to you by KSG Armory Holsters. Today is Thursday, July 6th, 2023, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman, and joined by co-host, Jacob Paulson. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Speaking of crowd go... <laughs> Speaking of the crowd going wild, uh, hey, we are kicking off a new season of the podcast here. Uh, ever since we changed some of the formatting a while back and, and reduced our number of episodes on a weekly basis, we've been putting out fewer episodes. And anyway, we hit a, we hit July 1st. And we thought, you know what? Let's refresh and hit the restart button and do another season here. Not that that probably matters to a whole lot of you, but uh, here we are. Welcome to season nine kind of hard to believe <laughs> just like we're basically about seven and a half years into this experiment called the concealed carry podcast we appreciate all you being with us and for being a part of this and supporting us in this endeavor and most importantly we appreciate our sponsors by the way you may have noticed new title sponsor today ksg armory holsters check them out ksgarmory.com but our episode sponsors today are handgundrills.com, new sponsor to the podcast. And we want to welcome them and, and thank them for their sponsorship of the podcast. Handgundrills.com, also formerly known as Burnett Live Fire Drill Cards, if you're familiar with those. Uh, maybe you've used them in the past. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that has impressed me, Jacob, is just seeing how Steve over at handgundrills.com continues to build this massive library and database of drills. And not only that, but formats these drills into a, 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 well, a card. I mean, you can actually buy the cards, right? So uh, that you can quickly and easily understand the drill, understand how to set it up, run the drill, score it, and get some useful data and metrics from it. So check them out, handgundrills.com. And our other episode sponsor today is CCW Safe. And I'll do a little more uh, of a of a sponsor message for them later on in the episode. But CCWSafe.com, uh, always appreciative of their support of the podcast. So with that, today's episode, Jacob, welcome, dude. It's been a while. We're talking justified saves. So yeah, those happen. Uh, kind of a crowd, yeah, crowd favorite of, of episodes. We've been doing these for a long time and people seem to like them still. So we still bring them to you. And there's still more lessons to be learned from each of these. Yeah. Well, you know, even when we see a lot of the same stuff, we also, you know, there's nuances to every incident and we also see some new things too, you know, like, I don't know. There, there was, there was one that kind of, actually, maybe two that surprised me in this episode today. Uh, the, the one we're saving for last was one when I saw it come across the news feed. I was like, "What? That's crazy!" And so I'm looking forward to talking about that incident out of Chicago with you. But first, it's too bad we don't have Matthew with us because uh, he wrote the article here on the ConcealedCarry.com website called "30 Rounds, 90 Seconds, Zero Hits, and Poor Judgment." I thought it was actually a really well done article talking about an incident out of Florida. Uh, Jacob, I've been talking for a minute. 
you want to start by breaking this one down for us? Yep. So the pool boy, apparently people who live in climates that aren't like Colorado have pools and they have <laughs> pool boys. Me and Riley don't know a lot about that from where we're from, but presumably in Florida, that's a well, thing. You, so the pool have, boy. If you have a pool in Colorado, you're very wealthy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, the pool maintenance. Let me just say there's not a lot of competition. In, in, in the Denver metro. There, there can't be that many of those, like two or three competitors maybe. But in, in Florida, I'm guessing that there's like a one billion of these. Anyway, so so this family, they got a pool, they got a pool boy, and um, presumably the pool boy normally comes during you know standard business type hours, but he was running late on this particular day and he shows up um, late. Uh, I mean, it's dark outside. Clearly, you know, there's surveillance video of this incident. So it's dark outside after nine o'clock. And, uh, you know, he did. the article made it clear he didn't call in advance. He didn't give them a heads up that he was running behind. He just was behind and happened to show up when he showed up. So he starts doing his work. And in the video, you kind of see him. He's setting his gear up and he sets some things down. And at one point, he even like clearly waves toward the back door like, oh, hey, guys, I'm out here working on your pool. Remember me? And then he kind of gets back to work. Well, <laughs> needless to say, the homeowners, male and female homeowner, did not pick up on on the idea that this was their their pool boy, their pool maintenance technician. They uh, they didn't they didn't like that. They decided so. Wife gets the phone, calls nine one one. Husband picks up, goes and grabs his uh, his his carbine rifle, his AR, I guess, and uh, starts shooting. Shoots right through the glass. Doesn't open the back win- the the back window. Doesn't open the back door. Just starts firing right through the glass. Um, and it it takes I don't know maybe three maybe four shots before the pool boy's like I am out of here. I am not sticking around for this little barrage. So he's gone. Um, but that doesn't stop the male homeowner. You know he for whatever reason the nerves maybe or. Um, Maybe he had one of those awesome firearm instructors who tells you if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot, empty the gun. Either way, he empties he empties the gun. So thirty rounds are fired, and in my opinion, a you know twenty seven to you know twenty five to twenty seven of those at the at nothing at just the air at the at the uh, you know the pool effectively at the back fence. And um, meanwhile, the 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 woman's on the phone with nine one one explaining you know, what's going on. The nine one one operator is trying to provide some direction and some instruction, but it's not really doing any good, uh, primarily because the one on the phone is not the one holding the gun. And so, you know, the, the wife on the phone is kind of the, the middleman in the conversation and really it doesn't, it ends up not mattering. So 90 seconds is how long it takes from the first shot being fired to the 30th shot being fired. Um, but it, it takes three to four shots for the pool boy to be way out of view and not accessible by fire. No shots land on target. Pool boy is perfectly, you know, well, he, he has no gunshot wounds. Uh, he, there's some scrapes or some bruises or something. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a wrap. No charges filed. Yeah, which uh, you know, it's, it's interesting actually. You know, I was a bit surprised. I think it's very generous the verbiage from the Pinellas or Pineas. I'm not sure exactly. I see two L's and I think you know a yes sound, but uh, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department Sheriff uh, Bob Gualtieri said it's just one of those things I would call lawful, but awful. I mean, it's lawful but it's an awful set of circumstances. I think that's quite generous, you know. (laughs) Uh, I'm not discounting necessarily the initial use of force, although that could certainly be debated here. Uh, You know, I mean, we've talked about this numerous times in the podcast about, 
hey, you know, I mean, like you're inside the dwelling. The dwelling is, at least for right now, a secure envelope of protection. Um, when that envelope is breached, then, you know, by all means, like do what you got to do, right? But until then, you know, like you could use some restraint. Now, your your laws and your respective jurisdictions, state, whatever, you know, may vary somewhat on the specific use of deadly force in and or around a dwelling or dealing specifically with the issue of of an intruder, someone that's actually in the act of breaking in versus somebody that's already gained entry. So those are things to be aware of. But in this case, like the thing that surprises me a little bit, Jacob, is the fact that it says he fired two shots first. That got the uh, pool boy, you know, running. And then he continues to fire 28 more shots, it says. So what we know is he just did a whole mag dump. And I, I do think that, you know, there could be a case made, you know, for some kind of, uh, you know, endangerment to the community or, you know, that sort of, you know, that kind of angle in that this guy just dumped 30 rounds, who knows where, and could have posed significant risk to a bunch of other people, potentially. Now, we don't know all the circumstances. We don't yeah. know the direction w- exactly in which those rounds were fired. Well, we don't know if he had backyard neighbors or if he lived on two acres, right? All, all sure. sorts of things we don't know. Yep, yep, exactly. But that is, I mean, I was just like, wow, this dude just did a mag dump. He just f- started firing and kept firing until that thing wouldn't fire no more. Yeah, to me, <sighs> uh, probably a sign of a lack of training, right? Because one, there's just an emotional restraint issue, this idea of like, possibility of just just complete panic like uh, i don't know what to do so just keep pressing this trigger oh my gosh and then the other half of it is this idea of a lack of training in terms of tactics like just just poor tactics like yeah you know the decision to fire at all was poor the decision to leave yourself now completely vulnerable because you have no additional ammo in the gun right all the all the bad tactics things we don't know about use of cover but i i suspect there wasn't anything between him and the pool boy other than the glass he shot at shot down uh, but here's here's the more remarkable thing or thing I, I wanted to comment on about this story, Riley, is that uh, in the article that Riley or that uh, Matthew wrote, you'll see that he shares a news story. Some local journalist, you know, speaking to. The, in fact, it's not. A, excuse me, it's not a local journalist at all. It's actually a national news organization reporting on this incident. And the journalist says, uh, I, and I'm roughly, you know, quoting here something to the effect of. Um, due to Florida's controversial stand your ground law, this homeowner's not being charged, <laughs> which um, just drives me absolutely berserk, right? So, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, potential differences from state to state about defensive property. And I think that's a valid comment. Um, but, but really, like when you can point a gun at another human being and press the trigger does not vary significantly from state to state. And the one thing that yeah. does tend to vary is the stand your ground versus duty to retreat thing. Um, but, but Florida's stand your ground law, first off, is not unique. 38 states have some form of stand your ground, either legislation or precedent from, from, from trial, from, from court work. Uh, you and I live in one of them, right? So, so that's more than, that's more than three fourths. That's more than 75% of us states. Um, but, all of the other states that remaining, the 12 that are, uh, have some sort of duty to retreat, none of them have a duty to retreat inside the home. So all 50 states allow you to stand your ground inside your home. Not a single state yep. in this union 
where you have a duty to retreat when you're inside your home. It just doesn't exist in, in America. That's not a legal thing that, that, you know, combination of stand your ground plus castle doctrine equals you never have to retreat from your home. So that's, that's what that means. And so that it's very simple. It's not controversial. It's not unique to Florida, but somehow like there's just something magical about when that law was passed in Florida and the momentum of its misuse and its misquoting, its miscitation by journalists like this one has created this, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. momentum of misunderstanding of what that law means. It it isn't helped by the fact that there's even instances of law enforcement and district attorneys even misquoting and misusing judges. Yeah. Well, uh, things have had to be appealed and gone to appellate courts because judges provided poor instructions to juries about what stand your ground means. Right. So, yeah, it's it's just one of those like I do not understand. Like, I mean, I understand how it's gotten to where it is now. I don't know how. Uh, it's uh, anyway has absolutely no, I, nothing I whatsoever to do the, with this incident. Not nothing at all. Yeah, I picked up on the same thing, and I chuckled, and I and I I knew that it would <laughs> drive you up a wall as well. One final comment for me on this particular story. Uh, I this one caused me to remember. I had forgotten about it. Uh, you know, we've we we had pest control services. Um, we're actually in the middle of needing to find a different one because we're just not happy with the. The, the company we've used for years got bought out by another company and it, yeah, it's gone to pot. But, uh, you know, there's been times where a pest control, uh, you know, guy would come along and, you know, for a while there, they did a really good job of, you know, knock on the door or ring the doorbell and, hey, you know, pest control here, just doing our, you know, quarterly service or whatever. Yeah, okay, no problem, you know, and they do their thing. Um, there's been at least twice that they just showed up and just, started, you know, spraying around the perimeter of the home and things like that. And I remember one of those times I was in, in my office and I just hear noise outside, you know, and like my whole family's gone. So it's just me. So it's either an animal or it's a person or something, you know? And I, I just was reminded of this because I wasn't freaked out in the moment, but it was just sort of, Hey, I need to investigate this. And I remember peek, you know, peering out the window and then seeing a, a man just on my property, my, in my backyard, even, he, you know, opened the side gate, went in the backyard, you know, well, that's cause for alarm. Uh, but, you know, peered out my window, wasn't freaked out because, hey, he's not coming in the house yet. <laughs> I'm armed. I can do, I have options here. And then, then I realized, oh, that's a pest control guy. Well, we had a chat because I said, hey, bro, listen. You need to knock on the door or ring the doorbell. Make sure you speak to somebody, if possible, before you just start wandering around the property. And he apologized and, you know, and stuff. And and I didn't, you know, a part of me wanted to be like, bro, like you could, like, I, I didn't. Maybe I should have. But I was like, you could get shot. I didn't want him to think that that was where my mind was at. Sure. But just sure. like thinking about if he's doing that to me on my property and, and is he just wandering on other you know customers of theirs uh, properties as well, like that could be a problem. Um, and so this, this story kind of brought that back of like, oh, man, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's good. If, if you work in that industry or something like it where you go to people's homes, you should be careful. Yep. Fair. Sorry, you were going to say something else? Well, I was on the fence about whether or not I was going to say it, but 
Do you remember there was a University of um, whatever Boulder? Is that University of Colorado? University of Colorado Boulder uh, yeah. did a study this many years ago. I I got a call from the news, uh, whatever news channel about it, and they had they quoted me. But the study was: Are you more likely to perceive that uh, a third party is a threat to you? In fact, that they are holding a gun in their hand if you have a gun in your hand. So the premise was this idea of like, you know, the fact that you're armed primes your brain to see other people as threats. Yeah, and to create uh, like a paranoia of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that some of the, the study was pretty bonkers. But but there's a certain amount of like logic and concern to that. Uh, I do think that when all you have is a gun, everything looks like a nail. I do think that there's no doubt, you know, if you don't have to be in this industry very long before you know that fear and paranoia does drive a large portion of this industry. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. If fear and paranoia drive you to do smart things and become more educated and more prepared, then, you know, God bless the, the fear and paranoia as far as I'm concerned. The problem is that if fear and paranoia drive you to, to, to make actions and you don't ever receive any proper training and you can't keep your emotions in check because you haven't, you know, you don't have the right mindset or you haven't received the right training, then you make bad decisions. And, and this, this smells like that. Like this incident smells like, uh, well, this is, you know, we have a gun. We're just waiting for the day. Someone tries to break in and kill us. Like, Oh, today's that day. Grab the gun. You know, like don't verify anything. Don't look, don't concern, concern yourself with the details. Uh, don't work, you know, don't stop and consider for a minute. You're inside, they're outside. Not much to like seek some cover between you and the class door. Like it just, it smells like this, this just deeply rooted paranoia that gives gun owners a bad name. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, so that was a Colorado State study. Um, no, that's and what I confirmed it was. that yeah, just by just now. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree that that was, I think there were some flaws there. And I think we, I, I think you even commented or something to media on that, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, or, I got quoted something. by ABC or somebody. I can't remember, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, some things to consider there. And, and that's why we bring stories like this one to you guys. Uh, not, not only from like the, you know, was this justified or not aspect or what the law was, but just also some of these other nuances for you to be thinking about. Whether you're on the homeowner side of the story or like I shared a minute ago, if you're in the services side and, you know, you need to be thinking about how you might be perceived. Uh, so definitely that pool boy showing up, at, you know, after dark, <laughs> poking around, you know, with a flashlight in the backyard. Yeah, that 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 dude should have spoken to somebody in the home. That's for sure. Uh, the, we classified deal. that one under our what not to do st stories list. And uh, this next one is what we have listed here as a tough one. Long Beach, California homeowner fatally shoots woman attacking neighbor is the headline. This is according to uh, CBS Los Angeles. Uh, basically, you had a woman with a mental health uh, episode, according to those that knew her. Uh, so she's basically going nuts and she's terrorizing this neighborhood. Like she's going door to door, pounding on doors, screaming at people. She was screaming like, where's my money? Where's my money? And, and at, at one point actually blocked um, the vehicle of a woman that was, I think, coming home or something. And then she actually uh, got into an altercation, like a physical altercation with the driver, with the woman of that vehicle. Uh, that led to a neighbor witnessing all of this to actually grab his firearm and he went out and fired one shot at this woman perceiving a, a you know a, 
a threat uh, as this woman was being uh, beaten by this crazy lady. And so he fired a shot and uh, that resulted in the, in the death of this, of this crazy lady, unfortunately. A relevant detail uh, there is that at the, at the t- moment he fired the shot, it said that the crazy lady was charging him. Yeah, she was running true. toward the, the armed man. Yep, yep. And it should also be noted that, you know, the female victim in this case was uh, yelling for help. And so, uh, you know, she this should paint, kind of paint a picture. You know, we don't have the whole picture, obviously. That's why it's always challenging to, to analyze stories like this. But, uh, but we have, you know, this woman that's terrorizing this neighborhood and, and actually attacking a, a, a woman, another woman. And that woman's calling for help. And this man comes to her aid. And as he's rushed by the by the the perpetrator in this case he fires a single shot and she succumbs to the wound uh her family's upset about it they say they're going to take legal action uh it does say it's still being investigated by the uh, local authorities uh but at this time it does not appear any charges will be filed uh and uh, this is another one of those you know you could say lawful but awful type situations uh potentially where you know I know that it's really hard for families to deal with the fact that a loved one is gone uh, because even in the case of a mental health episode uh, where you you think, oh, they were just, you know, mentally not right. They were, you know, temporarily incapacitated, you know, mentally. And like, they shouldn't have had to die for this. You know, this was excessive use of force. And I understand that that's difficult, but at the same time, you know, if you, if, if you're presenting a threat to people, uh, and if you're within the bounds of the law, like like it is what it is, and I know that's that sounds cold and heartless, but sometimes there are lawful but awful incidents that occur. And again, we don't know for certain how this one's going to be ruled, but based on the facts we have, I mean, I look at it, and I'd certainly be open to your your take, Jacob. But you know, it seems as though it's uh, a justified use of force in this case. Uh, but again, we did classify it as a tough one. Difficult case for sure. Yeah, I don't, I mean, a determining factor for me, I would love to know more details about the attack that was being witnessed. The the attacker yeah. attacking the other woman, like, was that her, like, shouting in her face? Or was that her slapping her in the face? Or was that her, like, pulling on hair and, you know, hitting her in the head or pull, knocking her head into concrete? Like that, so that would be a determining factor for me. But I think, I think that a big takeaways for me on this one are, you know, how do I decide if I'm going to get myself involved? And if I do decide if I'm going to get myself involved, how do I maximize my odds of success in that involvement? So in this case, you know, this is like two, like it said, like between midnight and one in the morning or something. It's very late at night. So you're the homeowner. You're hearing noises. You look out your window. This lady's acting like a whack job. She's attacking this other lady. You decide, oh, geez, you know, I better, I better do something, I guess. And that's the point where you have some decisions to make, you know, be a good observer. And I'm just calling 911. Or this particular individual decide, I'm grabbing my gun, I'm going out there. And uh, I'm not saying I would or wouldn't do that, only that those are, you know, that's that's a point of no return, right? When you walk into an incident armed, uh, you remove a bunch of options that you had previously. Like you are incurring a level of risk you didn't before, as as one of our friends would say, right? So so that's that's a tough game. And then and then the decision of how to do it. Well, and I'm just going to walk out the front door kind of in the open in my yard. 
is very different than maybe I stay in the doorway in a position where I can close that door if I need to or if I want to. Or I put a, you know, I, I, I find a piece of cover on the road like a vehicle. That person is not armed. That lady has no no weapon. If she runs toward me, we can dance around the vehicle all night long until I, I run out of steam. You know, so so there was a lot of I think potential things that could have been done differently and arguably better. You know, am I going to involve myself? And if so, how do I maximize my odds of success? And I think one of the, the biggest missed opportunities when we read these DGUs, and this is true of the last one, the pool boy too, is just an unfortunate, like complete omission to consider the idea of cover. Like to even just yeah. think about the idea of, you know, they can't hurt me if I put this between me and them. Yeah. At the very least, uh, you know, potentially buys you some time yeah. and time gives you, you know, the op- opportunity for um, other courses of action, potentially. Uh, this is also, I think, a great point to mention the validity of other use of force options, such as OC spray. Yeah. So, you know, are you, are you carrying some OC spray with you? I mean, you see, I've got mine, Jacob's got his. Uh, why do I carry OC spray? Because it is another option and it's an option and i like how chuck haggard puts it you know between a harsh word and a gun because that's where i think a lot of people find themselves where they're like well i could you know scream and swear at this person uh and put my you know put cover between us which i mean that may still be a a valid option right that's that's still a good idea especially the cover piece uh or i could you know draw and potentially use my gun Right, like that. That's that's two very far ends of the spectrum in terms of use of force. Uh, but something that is a less lethal option, like some OC spray, and you know we're big fans of Palm Palm P O M. If you're not familiar, Palm pepper spray makes a great formulation. It's well proven, well uh, uh, tested, and uh, very affordable. Okay, and and nice and convenient. You know, easy to carry, but also easy to deploy. So. Check it out. Okay. It's a good idea to have. Uh, not, you know, I mean, there's some knowledge to, to the use of it, but it's not something that is rocket science or takes a whole, you know, heck of a lot of training. In speaking of training, you can pick up trainer units and test those out and see how they, you know, how they spray and how to use it and how to get a proper spray, you know, uh, a pattern, you know, application across the face uh, and up and down, you know, of, uh, on that person, you know, so you get good uh, dispensing of the product on them, right? So all those things are are good to to know and understand. But check it out, Palm Pepper Spray, unofficial sponsor, I guess, of the episode. <laughs> but uh, that's good. Good to have options, and this is certainly probably. I think this one likely falls in that category of hey, maybe OC spray would have been very appropriate for helping to deal with this situation. A really bright flashlight might have solved a lot of problems. That's another great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Very, very valid points. All right. Let's move on to our next story. He went out head first. 77-year-old scares home intruder after firing gunshot. This happened in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. So my rough takeaway here is that um, we got we got 77 year old homeowner presumably lives alone. There's no mention of anybody any other occupants of the home. He hears a sound, you know, doesn't recognize it. Once goes to investigate, and you have somebody who has pried open a window in a kitchen. I, I get the impression that's like over a kitchen counter because it says the guy's like crawling through 
the window into the into the kitchen. Like it's you know it's kind of a complicated you know, crawl. So homeowner rises. This guy's making his way into the room, and he says, uh, "That's not good. That dude looks like he he's not here for good reasons and stuff." And so he fires a shot uh, with his gun, and that convinces the home intruder this is that he got the wrong house, and so he heads right back out through the same gap in the that he's created in the window that he came in uh, uh, through and apparently does it head first and homeowner feels really good that it was resolved in a, a, a easy manner um i thought an interesting comment from the homeowners he, he talked about how like why my house like what nothing special about my house it doesn't look it's not a nice home i don't have nice things like there's you know i don't know this dude it's just no reason for me to be targeted it's it it feels very random um, and, and I think that's, that's a, that's an important kind of perspective for us to have is this idea of <laughs> sometimes, yes, a little bit of, uh, avoidance goes a long way as we'll see in some other stories today, but sometimes it just, fi- you know, trouble finds you like there's, just, you're not, you're not avoiding this. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, I mean, I like I appreciate how this gentleman actually states that, uh, the 77 year old man. Uh, you know, he comments how he's like, I don't look for trouble. He said, it found me, right? Uh, that is how it goes sometimes. And if anything, the, all the years of covering these Justified Save episodes, especially and all these different incidents that we've discussed and analyzed. I mean, while you certainly understand that there are areas of towns and cities and neighborhoods and things that are more prevalent to crime, but you also find out that there's crime that finds people everywhere and at all times of the day as well. Um, and so while certainly I think it's beneficial to, you know, use a, or, or to take some kind of accounting of your own personal risk or make it like a risk assessment as far as how you approach your day-to-day life, uh, the equipment that you carry with you, uh, where you go, how you go, how you dress, etc. Uh, and like all those things are factors as far as making prudent decisions uh, and balancing, you know, both your your ability to defend yourself, but also with your ability to live your life in a way that's enjoyable. Because <laughs> obviously, we could walk around with, you know, armor armored plates and plate carriers and AR-15s and stuff all the time. We'd get a lot of funny looks, most of us in most places we live, but. Um, and we we could do that, you know, potentially, but uh, it wouldn't make for a very fun or enjoyable life. So, uh, point is, is is uh, you know, don't go looking for trouble like this gentleman, but at the same time, be ready for it when it finds you, um, and it can find you at all kinds of times and places, and lo- you know, whatever in, in your home, out of your home. Um. This one, you know, I mean, good for this man. He's 77 years old. He acknowledges, he's like, this is a younger, you know, he said 20-something-year-old man that broke into his home. Uh, he's not as strong as this this younger man. He's, uh, you know, likely to lose a physical fight. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that he had an option to defend himself. Uh, it's curious, you know, it says he fired a shot at the man. Uh, and then that shot appears to not have struck him. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he necessarily intended to make a warning shot but it is something that makes me wonder sometimes you know and warning shots are problematic 
So let's be careful with that stuff. If you got a, a reason to fire a shot, fire a shot and hit an intended uh, target. That means not firing at something. That means shooting the thing. That means you identify your target. You acknowledge that it's good to shoot that target, like it, that it's, hey, I'm good to shoot. And you put your sights on that target and you press the trigger. If you're going to fire, man, hit what you intend to hit. So that's my two cents on this one. Yeah, we also don't, it, it doesn't clarify if this man had a gun on him or if he went and retrieved it before he went to investigate the noise. But imagine walking into that kitchen without being armed. Your options are significantly less if you had to go find the gun in the house somewhere. So that's that's another thing to be thinking yeah. about. Yep, absolutely. Man called hero for stopping shooter at Turnberry Towers Friday. Uh, this happened. So Turnberry Towers is uh, is a residence complex in Las Vegas uh, near Karen and Paradise. I actually happen to know where that is since I lived in Vegas for a time. Uh, although this, I don't think this structure existed at that at that point. But um, it's a you know you look at the images of it. It's a pretty high end uh, you know apartment or condo type place, right? It's it's pretty fancy, glass you know front uh, windows doors. Uh, there's a, there's a desk and everything with security guards. Okay. So what happened, uh, this was just a little more than a week ago, a gunman walked in and gunman. I mean, he walked in with AR 15 and other weapons. It says this is a Friday afternoon, walks right in, fires Home shots at the front desk. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So he fires shots at the front desk. Okay. He just comes right in and starts going to town. Uh, people take cover. Okay. And there's glass, of course, that's, that's blown out and shattered everywhere. Uh, but, uh, an employee, it says of this, of this complex, uh, stopped the attack, drew their firearm and, and fired shots and put an end to it. Uh, I don't, I, I don't see it mentioned in this story, Jacob. Um, uh, my understanding was that this, this, uh, uh, that the perpetrator was wounded and then held at bay until law enforcement responded. I don't think he passed away. Uh, and this, this story doesn't mention it, but I saw another story elsewhere that I believe uh, mentioned that little detail. But I mean, I don't know whether this employee of, of uh, the Turnberry Towers was within policy to be carrying a firearm. Um, I thought I saw in another story, he may have been a security guard. Um but then this one doesn't mention that either. So either way, kudos to him for having a gun and being willing and able to use it and likely stopping something that was going to be way worse. Yeah. Uh, if, from our data set, I, I don't, I'm not aware of, an, of an, an active shooter event where someone targeted a residential apartment complex building like this. Like I, I'm, Never aware of that having happened before, so we don't we don't know as of right now what the attacker's intent or motive was. If it was you know targeting specific residents of that building, or if this was just you know your traditional you know crazy whack job, I'm going to kill a bunch of people scenario. We don't know, but uh, I'd rather not know because somebody stopped it. So I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got another. Uh, news article of this uh incident that uh and it just it just continues to refer to as this hero as an employee of the facility 
Uh, and uh, does say it appears that the shooter, the, the bad guy, had a malfunction in his gun. Uh, at least that's according to some reports. The employee held him at gunpoint after shooting him. So until police arrived. So that, that was what I recalled reading. So just wanted to clarify that. I'm going to drop this uh, link to this article as well into our show notes. Speaking of show notes, folks, with all of our Justified Saves episodes, you are able to access the show notes. Um, you should be able to still see those or pull those up in your, in your podcast apps. Uh, but you can also go to the website where we publish the podcast and see everything there. And you can f- pull up these same articles and links and read them for yourself. So you can either follow along with us as we're uh, covering these stories or study these, you know, to your heart's content. So I've dropped that additional story link in there because since it's got additional details and that'll be for your reference. Before we get too far, too much further, Jacob, at this point, do want to make mention of our other sponsor of the episode that's CCW safe. There are preferred choice for self-defense legal coverage, ccwsafe.com. Uh, you're an ultimate member. I'm an ultimate member. Jacob, would you mind sharing why are you a member of CCW safe? Why, why is that your pick? Yeah, I think there's, to me, there's like, uh, there's two reasons, all the stuff that's on paper and all the stuff that's not on paper. So when I say the stuff that's on paper, I mean the actual coverage. I think that they have the best product. I think for what you pay, you get the best coverage. Uh, you know, unlimited attorney fees are, are covered in the ultimate plan. Um, uh, unlimited attorney fees, both in criminal and civil defense. I think that, that that's huge. What they do as far as um, providing you with uh, therapy sessions, replacing guns, paying for bail, paying for expert witnesses, um, potentially paying for private investigators to conduct a side uh, investigation, uh, conduct interviews. All those things are the things that are on paper. And I think that if you just look at it on paper, they have the best they have the best pro- plan, best product out there. Um, and, I, and I'll add too, one last thought before I talk about my second reason, that it, not everybody's got the budget to pay for the most expensive plan. You mentioned rather you and I are ultimate members. That's the most expensive plan. Most of these competitors in this you know, self-defense coverage space have smaller plans that are you know not as big as the big dog expensive plan, right? I, th- I think that the other thing I like about CCW Safe is their defender plan, which is something like 200 bucks a year or something like that, I think is also fantastic. I think in that category, at that price point, it's also unbeatable as far as the coverage is concerned. So uh, I think that's all the stuff on paper. But the other reason I'm a big a big fan of CCW Safe is all the stuff that's not on paper. Because um, when you work full-time in this industry and you know you, we've, we've been to the offices of many of these companies, uh, you get to know people who have filed claims with these different companies. I could tell you that the vast majority of the competitors out there, they are limited to doing two things, being real nice on the phone and writing checks. That's that's their role in, in your incident. CCW Safe, they are hands-on uh, to the degree they feel is necessary to take care of you. So if that means them showing up and bailing you out of jail themselves, they will. If that means they need to hire a team to uh, help your attorney pick your jury, they will. Like They'll do whatever is necessary. They're very hands-on, and they, they bring expertise to the table beyond the ability to be empathetic and write checks. Um, when you call that 1-800 number for CCW safe, you're going to get some, the person who's going to answer that phone is going to be either a very seasoned law enforcement homicide investigator veteran or an attorney. 
a criminal defense attorney. Um, they have five different people that that phone number, that phone call gets routed to. And if the first person miss, misses, then it goes to the second, you get the idea. And of those five people, all of them are one of those two credentials. So you're getting someone on the phone who is highly qualified to assist you with your, your incident. Yep. I think you nailed it on the head. Those are all the same reasons that I believe in CCW Safe's product. And yes, uh, absolutely, folks, check them out. Uh, you can get the ultimate plan if you want the whole package, which I think is absolutely worth considering. Uh, but even the Defender plan, as you mentioned, or if you are active or retired military or law enforcement, they also have the Protector plan, which is another great option, very affordably priced, and it'll give you like 95% of the same coverage. Uh is you know just a couple of little things that are a little different between the lower priced uh, plans and the, and the and the ultimate plan, but absolutely you know will protect you in the most important areas. You know we were talking about that case earlier. You know where we classified it as sort of a tough one, and you know it could be an incident where a person has uh, you know relatively difficult uh, you know. You know, like they're going to be answering questions or maybe even going to be uh, arrested for a brief time or questioned, et cetera. Like you don't want to be handling that all your, on your own. You want to be able to call that 800 number and get somebody on the phone right now that's going to take it seriously and is going to advise you as to next steps and if necessary, get an attorney to you. So check them out, ccwsafe.com. Use discount code CCPODCAST to save 10% off uh, or Guardian Nation members of ours save even more. Couple more stories here. Let's uh, get through this. Next one up: Police chief father fatally shot suspect who tried to accost juvenile daughter. This happened in Wilson's Mills. I don't even know where this is, Jacob. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> I've never heard it. That's quite a town name, Wilson's Mills. Clearly, a man by the or someone by the name of Wilson. Because it doesn't have to be a man. <laughs> Was the founder of this place. Uh, so we had, uh, this actually happened on father's day. That's kind of wild, right? Cause this, and the, cause what happened here was actually a father protecting and defending his daughter and his children on father's day of all things, completely random. As far as we can tell, what's the skinny on this one, Jacob? It's North Carolina, by the way. I, d- I just Googled it. I didn't know that in advance. <laughs> so Wilson's mill in Johnson County, North Carolina. So, uh, there's several children. I don't know how many or what ages, but there's several children in the backyard playing. And the perpetrator, the supposed bad guy, comes into uh, the backyard. It doesn't say how, just has entered the backyard where the children were playing outside. And then presumably the attacker accosts a 11-year-old girl. So I don't know if she's the oldest one in the group, she's the middle of the group, but that, you know, some... You know, it would seem that that, that girl is being specifically targeted by the, by the BG. Uh, the other children run into the house and alert the parents. Oh, my gosh. You know, there's a guy in the backyard. And he's attacking Sarah. I don't know. Something like that. And uh, so the father, he doesn't like that, he decided. So he uh, grabs his gun or maybe he already has his gun on him. You know, we're not sure, but it's somewhere in this series of things. The suspect tries to follow the children to the house. and He's actually pulling on the back door handle, shaking it violently. I don't know if he had left the 11 year old girl or had her in tow. Don't know. But now he's trying to get into the house as well. And so the homeowner uh, shoots the suspect 
and he dies from his injuries. Yeah. It would appear no charges. Law enforcement quotes here are favorable. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I'd probably do the same thing, or at least, I mean, be willing to do the same thing. Uh, Again, not knowing all the circumstances, of course, here. But um, in in all the states I'm familiar with, and Jacob, you're a bit more knowledgeable on this than even me, you, you can use deadly force to prevent a kidnapping. Uh, certainly a sexual assault, especially of a child, anything of that sort. So like there's clearly something here, like there, this is bad. This is Mm -hmm. bad. And a father sees this is, this is taking place. Um, probably could have, you know, gone right out and shot this guy. But instead, I mean, what, where it went is this man then appeared to try to gain access to the home where these children were at. Uh, and again, it's a little unclear as far as how the article is written. I, th- I swear some of these journalists need to go, you know, back to journalism school and, uh, you know, learn how to write stuff that's not confusing. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, it wouldn't be that hard to specify if this, you know, 11-year-old girl was, all, you know, because it says, like you, you pointed out, other children ran inside the home and alerted the father and mother. And then it says that the, the suspect attempted to follow the children. So presumably that 11 year old girl is still outside where the suspect is. Uh, if that's true, I mean, yeah, this paints a very, very scary picture because you have a unwanted, unknown, undesirable man in your backyard coming after your daughter. And you don't, I mean, could be a kidnapping, could be a sexual assault, or could just be some kind of other violent assault against a child. Either way, I th- I think this is probably pretty cut and dry. Could could be a neighbor or a boyfriend playing a funny joke too, um, you know. But but the perception of the father, what's reasonable to believe, is is the relevant question here. You know, kidnapping is a forcible felony, and um, in other words, it's it's an action that it, you know we would reasonably believe has an immediate threat of serious bodily injury or death. And so that that's what's relevant here. So yeah, I I think it's probably justified. And and, it, and t- tough decisions too, because you know if, if the whole family had been in the house and accounted for it, a man's violently shaking on a doorknob, you know that kind of takes us back to the pool boy scenario where it's like, yeah, you're out there, I'm in here, bro. Um, but that changes things when it's like, well, one of your kids is out there, and according to all these screaming children, um, the man was attacking that other child, and she's still out there. So yeah, it changes things, and and you know, you have to make sometimes on the fly decisions based on the little information you have. Yeah. Yep. The suspect to die of his injuries. Um, and uh, it, it also states that he was unknown to the family. So presumably the father was able to ascertain that. I, I don't know, but uh, that was mentioned anyway. Yeah. Let's go now to the Boston area. Quincy man facing charges in Stoughton road rage shooting and crash. This is kind of a wild one, Jacob. Uh, And also one of those that can be a little bit difficult to follow along as you're reading the article if you're not careful. Uh, But basically you have an argument that began between two people in a 7-Eleven store. Uh, And a a man, 39-year-old man, uh, of Quincy, Massachusetts, uh, he was apparently the perp- you know like the the instigator of this argument, uh, at least we're led to believe, and he also uh, pointed a what appeared to be a revolver at the man and some of his associates that were involved in this argument, presumably just completely innocent parties uh, to this. 
this man points a gun at them. It prompted this, actually at this man that he was arguing with, prompted him to run to his friend's car. He jumps into this car. Uh, there's like four occupants in this vehicle now. They take off. They're like, let's get out. I hope somebody in that car started calling 911 right away. It doesn't say anything about that in the in the article here. I just I'm just pointing that out. Like, man, I hope that they started, you know, the, the comms get get the communications going, start calling for help. But what we know is that, and it's not mentioned in the article, Jacob. But you got to watch the whole video, which is uh, attached to this article. But they then engaged in a five plus mile. Uh, vehicle chase because this man that pointed the revolver at them uh, jumped in his vehicle and starts chasing after them and it's a high speed chase for five plus miles well that takes you know several minutes to cover that amount of distance presumably and so again i hope 911 was being called and that help was being you know called for because you don't want to be just engaging in a high speed chase you're trying to get away like if you want to get hopefully somewhere where it's safe uh, if you can get to a police station or whatever, like you want to, you you don't want to be in a high speed chase. Is my point because ultimately what happened here is it actually in, ended up in an accident involving three cars. Uh, I didn't, I don't recall if it specified it very clearly, but it appeared to be uh, a third party vehicle, somebody else entirely, and then these these victims that were being chased, and then presumably the uh, the suspect in this case. Um, all got in this collision in, at an intersection. While they're engaging in this high-speed chase, the suspect actually crosses a double yellow line into oncoming traffic, pulls up alongside the vehicle he's chasing, points again his revolver at them, at which point the man that was apparent, or excuse me, the driver, uh, yeah, the man driving the vehicle that's trying to get away pulls out his gun, fires seven rounds at the suspect, one of which struck him, and the others uh, presumably struck his vehicle, it says. Uh, he said he was fearing for his life. I mean, yeah, makes sense. You're in a high-speed chase. You got a car willing to go into oncoming traffic and point a gun at you. alongside you and point a gun at you. Yeah, I'd be fearing for my life, too. So this man did what he felt he needed to do. I completely support that action. Uh, he br- he brought this to a close, but the unfortunate thing is there was also an accident involved. It could have ended worse for for these innocent folks involved, and unfortunately did involve a completely other person and vehicle, which is unfortunate for them because they obviously had no part whatsoever in this. And I was thinking about this, and this is just the inf- like this is one of those things that you need to be aware of, like. The use of deadly force in this case, completely justified. Police have investigated it. There's not charges being filed. They arrested the other man that started this all. He's obviously the one that's in jail. He's obviously the one that's that's being, that's been charged with a number of crimes. But it could entirely be possible that in the end of this, the guy, the victims trying to get away collided with another vehicle and their insurance companies could be could end up saying well you know what we understand the circumstances but you still caused this accident and you're the one that's at fault that could i'm just saying that could totally be a thing sure and that's one of the crappy things about such things is you know is 
this ends up being a lose-lose in the end of it, you know, potentially, especially from a financial angle. But anyway, just something to think about. Yeah, the the who caused the accident is has nothing to do with, you know, why we we're running really, you know, driving really fast down the road, right? They're two separate, distinct things. Yep. Um, it's also noteworthy that in the end, the revolver that the BG was pointing at the good guys as he chased them around town and from 7-Eleven to wherever turned out to be a pellet gun. It wasn't even wasn't even a real firearm, so well could still be lethal. Still could be lethal, I suppose, and I, and maybe it is relevant information. It's relevant. Um, you know, it shows how much craziness there is out there that that a BG would would be so insane, so as to drive erratically, chase after people, um, and point a, a, a not real gun at them. And and <laughs> to be clear, in case you didn't 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 catch this in Riley's narrative. When they actually exchange shots, when he crosses the double yellow, pulls up alongside and points the revolver again, and the driver of the Nissan returns fire with his real gun and shoots seven times. At that point, the the good guys take off again, and the bad guy chases them some more. He continues to follow them, knowing that he's just been shot. Okay, He's he's bleeding. Okay, He's been shot with the real gun. He knows his gun is is a pellet gun. And he says, you know what? I'm not letting them get away so easy. So <laughs> there's some real crazy out there. Like it, it, it might take a lot to stop your attacker. Yeah. It did say, not again in the written article, but in the video uh, reporting of this, that uh, he's going to be taken to for a psych, a psych evaluation. Uh, and so that could be a factor here <laughs> as to why he you know, was willing to uh, go as far as he did. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, wild story. I mean, I and again, uh, uh, you, you could Jacob loves Seven Eleven. You love I the do. points of Seven Eleven. You could just be stopping in at your local Seven Eleven, and some crazy dude wants to pick a fight with you. And next thing you know, like this is where you're at, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not bueno. Um, super not fun. Yeah, that's a wild one for sure. Final story. I'll turn it back to you for the for the initial analysis and breakdown on this one. It says charges dropped against woman son in West Pullman. This is in Illinois, in the Chicago area, shooting at a hot dog stand. This according to ABC Seven Chicago. This is a wild one too. Yeah, and this one's a little bit older. I mean, this this story that we're sharing in the, in the notes is sort of a you know legal conclusion, right? What was going to happen? Oh, now we're finding out charges have been dropped. So. Um, I think I've read two or three different versions of this one, so let me see if I can get this right. A uh, woman goes to hot dog stand with her son. How old is the son? 14, I think. 14. Yeah, 14 yeah. year old son. And uh, she's, she's, uh, you know, leaves son in car, goes into hot dog stand. It's like a atrium foyer type thing, you know, where you supposedly pick up your hot dogs, I imagine. I don't think there's room for like dining, there's no tables. It looks like it's a pretty small space based on what we saw. And uh, she goes in and and um, gets into an altercation with another man. Uh, don't know what started it. Don't know what the drama is all about. But it's it's for real. Like uh, it, you know, it's it's a it's a good physical attack. Um, and when the arrest was initially made, they didn't have in the video. But it, later on, some video was released that uh, a witness captured. And in the video, you see that this was a, a serious attack. The the BG is like hits on this like hits this woman pretty solid. Uh, and is scrapping with her. So the 14-year-old son um, comes in 
to the hot dog stand because he sees his mom's getting a, you know beat on. She's being attacked. And so he comes in. And in the article that we're sharing today, I don't think it mentions this, but I'm pretty sure I saw this in a different one, that mom tells him, instructs her son to shoot the other guy. Says, hey, shoot him. Shoot him, son. Like, you know, help me out kind of thing. Whatever. She, she, she provides. She, she tells her 14-year-old to shoot the man. Well, 14-year-old complies. He's got a gun. Don't know where it came from. Don't know whose gun it is. But he had it handy. Brought it with him into the hot dog stand and uh, shoots this other guy. And um, presumably is effective to some degree with the shots. Uh, doesn't completely disable the attacker because it says as they, as, as uh, mom and son run out, uh, they continue to, you know, to, to put shots toward the hot dog stand, toward the BG, who they leave behind as they flee. And uh, so initially, yeah, she's, she was arrested on a murder charge. And after the video was released, an additional whatever evidence was compiled, the DA eventually decides to drop the charges. Yeah. This was something that I, you pointed it out briefly about, you know, we don't know where the gun came from. <laughs> it's something I've tried to answer. I've, I've read a number of articles uh, and coverages about this, this incident, trying to see if there's any clues whatsoever. Cause that's like, I think the most fascinating part of the whole story is like, I, in my mind, when I first heard of this story, I'm like, I'm thinking mom's got the gun like with her in a purse or something and the kid knows where it is. And so he, you know, reaches in purse, retrieves gun and uses it, but nothing is said ever anywhere. And it does make you wonder if this mom's out, you know, going to the hot dog stand with her son and he's just packing heat with him. (laughs) Oh yeah. For all we know, mom runs a gang and son is a drug runner. I mean, you know, it's, but that's not relevant to whether or not this is self-defense. And that's the valid point here, right? Like it, it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, And I completely agree yeah. with that. 100%. Like regardless of where the gun came from, I'm like, yep, this, this young man had the right to defend himself and his mama. And like, all right, there you go. That's that. You know, if you see the video, which has been out there and it's been viewed like 30 million plus times now. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's not suitable for work for sure. I mean, as far as like, it's, it's a violent altercation. This man is, I mean, it's, it is not a fair fight. He starts going after this woman and starts beating on her viciously. I uh, saw, so again, I think there's no reason to think that there's any foul on the part of, uh, the victims here, the mom and her son. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, and that other than that, like, Hey, I love a good Chicago dog. Um, <laughs> I appreciate, you know, what you guys do out there. It's delicious, tasty food. I enjoyed some tasty ones myself a couple of days ago on July 4th. Uh, man, people in Chicago take their hot dogs seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have no idea what what started the whole altercation here, uh, but uh, uh, not really relevant. But uh, wild, sure. wild story. You know, I mean, this is. I certainly don't hope that any of my children has ever had to be put in a similar situation uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, one, because it's scary for them, and two, because I mean, there's 
you know, I mean, as, as much training, which is not nearly enough, probably as much training and, and the skill, even like my oldest son has with a gun, which is pretty good. Like he's pretty good. And I don't want my child being liable for having to defend themselves like this. Uh, the number of shots, it sounds like that were fired and, you know, innocent people could have been hurt and that I, I just wouldn't even want my child to have to live with that, even if it was justified in the first place. Um, but, uh, Hey, you know what? Fortunately, in, as is the case in many of these, these stories that we cover, it all works out in the end. Uh, meaning that nobody else is harmed. I don't know how that is so often, Jacob, because we, it's like the dude firing, you know, 30 rounds from his AR at the pool boy. It's like, I don't know how nobody else, I don't know how the pool boy wasn't hit, you know, but <laughs> like somehow like, man, like we just get lucky, I swear. And, uh, but we don't want to count on luck. And it's a good reminder of how serious we got to take these things and how training is super important. And training for our children is also important for a variety of reasons, not because we necessarily anticipate them having to pull out a gun in public and, you know, go to town on a bad guy, but, uh, training's important. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, the takeaway for me from all these episodes is this is a mad, mad, mad world. I mean, the world is not getting safer. Violent crime is up. I mean, that, that is statistically true. Like violent crime is up and it's getting more dangerous to be alive and to be out there. Um, so all the more reason that we need to take, take precautions uh, the mindset becomes really important. That avoidance becomes really important. That training becomes really important. Um, and yeah, that that just is yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, you know, on uh, on Independence Day, uh, we actually we had a free pass to go to the Colorado History Museum, and I'll, I'll say that was actually a very interesting and appropriate Independence Day activity because there was some there was some patriotic you know stuff that was in there too that I got to learn about history wise. Uh, didn't know they were open on that day, but my wife's like, hey, we have this free pass. Let's go. And that, I realized that's downtown Denver, like downtown, you know, Broadway. And what is that? Probably like, I don't know, 10th Street or something, or maybe 13th. I don't know. Broadway Street for sure, though. Um, I never liked going down there when, you know, like five, 10 years ago. But it's been a few years since I've been down that way. And we go down there on Independence Day of all days where there's not a whole lot going on. There's not a lot of people around. And I already saw in that one quick trip just how much it's changed just in terms of the 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 ambiance, if you will, the environment. Uh, yeah, you're spot on, dude. Like the statistics bear it out. We see it all over. Crime is, in fact, up. Um, a lot of cities have changed since COVID, since the riots, since everything that's followed that. Now with uh, things in the economy kind of, you know, I think struggling. So uh, I didn't particularly enjoy having to go downtown, but I did enjoy the museum. Anyway, be sharp, be, be careful out there. Yep. Well, that brings us to a conclusion of yet another episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, Today's episode sponsors, again, our new sponsor, HandgunDrills.com. Please consider supporting them. Appreciate their sponsorship. Thanks for coming on board and being a new sponsor of the show. CCWSafe.com. Thank you again for all your your several years now of support. We really appreciate you guys very much. And again, appreciate 
our listeners and viewers support of our sponsors and new title sponsor, KSG Armory Holsters, ksgarmory.com. Thank you so much, everyone. We appreciate you uh, being a part of this and for being here with us, listening and supporting us. Jacob, final words. Yeah, be careful. <clears throat> the world, the world's getting dicey, dicier all the time. Yep, indeed. So, with that in mind, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.